Uh, and they were like, you have another sister that you don't know about. You have a secret sister. Uh, I've been dressed in pink leotards and a diaper doing 30 singing telegrams in February in Chicago. The only person who was there was John Houseman, who was the founder of the school. And um, now you're a Disney princess, is that right? Am I, am I phrasing that correctly? That's absolutely right. And that's another wish I had. So the universe, you know, gives you what you want in mysterious ways. Love, love, love. Oh, love wins, love wins. No, because love is conditional. Because love is based on the contingency that you can accept that person. For who I mean, it's it's about forgiveness. Right. That's what America needs to find. Yeah. It ain't love. Because I I don't know if you know this, but I think very few of us in the world have found a dead body. Probably not, and probably right. not under the circumstances <laughs> that I found it. <laughs> sure. So what was the deal? Uh, Join us for all this and more on At the Elephants with Rob Morris. Available now on YouTube and iTunes podcasts. Share, like, subscribe now. Come on, get to it. Do it. You know you want to. I'm me. The commissary says I better get used to the guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to At the Elephants, episode 17. It's December. It's wintertime. It's supposed to be cold outside in Winston-Salem. It is not. Uh, it is not cold as I understand it really in Los Angeles. Maybe a little bit for the season. But uh, that is my terrible segue into letting you know that uh, At the Elephants, if you haven't heard already, is officially moving to Los Angeles, California from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So that is going to mean a number of changes for the show. Uh, first, I have to apologize to you for the uh, quality of the voiceover right now. I'm using a much uh, weaker microphone as a lot of my things are already packed up. I'm moving in a week. Uh, I have several guests lined up to share with you over this break, um, but around New Year's we'll have a finale, and then we'll have some stuff to come once we pick back up in February. Um, but I definitely want you to get excited about Matt Lair on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Lair is an absolutely incredible human being. He's been teaching, uh, dance at the School of the Arts, uh, since Molly Murray retired. And from everything I've heard talking to the students, that experience has been absolutely amazing. Uh, and personally, just in passing, and the few experiences I've had getting to know him so far have been great. This morning, I got to sit down and talk to him, really get to know Matt. And, you know, I'm not surprised to find out that he is just as fascinating and charming as I knew he would be. Originally from Alabama, Matt has been all over Broadway, most recently in the Book of Mormon as Elder McKinley. Uh, the replacement for that, I believe in 2013. Uh, Elf the Musical, Promises, Promises, I'll just go down the list here. Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Moving Out, uh, The Producers. Uh, I actually looked up on Internet Movie Database uh, and I saw that he was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I was like, oh, I gotta check this out. But I guess uh, I haven't seen the episode, but I suppose they go to the theater and they see the producers, and Matt is in that. So I gotta check that out, and I advise that you do too. I, like I said, had a great time talking to Matt. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And I'll go ahead and let you know that I did meet with the sensational and miraculous Ashley Gates Jansen, and I have an episode with her coming up very soon for you. So uh, stay tuned for that. And enjoy this episode with Matt Lair. Uh, the only question that I think of ahead of time is uh, where are you from? Okay. That's the only thing. I started, all right, I can, I, answer, all I can answer that. 
Great. All right. You know the answer to that one? Yes, I do. Okay. We'll go. see about the others. All Mobile, right. Alabama. I know where that is. Do you really? I really have do. Have you ever been there? I have family there. You're kidding. I'm not gonna lie to you. The, so you actually know it's called Mobile and not yeah, mobile. And not mobile. As what most people say. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they live? Uh I wouldn't know, <laughs> to be honest. I've never been there. Oh, okay. But I do know very much where it is. And I've I've been told it's great. It's kinda pretty. Yeah. It's my it's... uh my cousin on like my dad's side. Grew up in, I think, all around that area. Oh, uh, cool. moved okay. around quite a bit, but okay. you know, that's definitely the center of where he is from. So, rumor has it, you know, that we started Mardi Gras here. Really? Not Nolens or Nolens. Yeah, well, they are really getting a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Is there a movement? It should, you know, it should be probably in this age of Twitter we get out of that. Or is it like, just like a lean back? Make like, Mobile the originator. Right. It's just like lazy, like, just not a big deal. You don't have to move the party over here or anything, but I just want to let you know. I think we liked it. it that, you us. know, it's like still a big celebratory thing there. So they but, really you know, get down. They, oh, they do. Yeah. Nice. My my, uh, my father still lives there, and he lives downtown where the parade route is. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I mean, like, people just come and they park on his lawn. They, wow. like, don't care. They're like, we're, we're here to get moon pies, beads, the whole shebang. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. I would have never guessed that. I know, isn't it? Weird? Well, French influence, right? Town, you know, sure. very very similar architecture, especially in the downtown area, right? Um, That's uh, a good point. Yeah. Do you think there are other cities that have that kind of like ghost holiday thing, like where we always go to one place to celebrate something, and there's like the the place next door that's like actually it was us, but no big deal. Uh, <laughs> I bet there is, right? I, I can't think of an one right offhand, but like yeah, you know, who, there's who knows? probably and a like, town just down yeah. the way from like Bethlehem. Ogdensburg, New York, or it's something. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was us. We started um, the Columbus Day Parade, right? Or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so. Uh, do you born and raised? Do you move around? Or? No, I w- It's it's weird. I'm I'm a I'm a natural born southerner, but I'm the only one in my family who was. I was. Um, mm. My mother is from Wisconsin, okay. Racine, Wisconsin, and my father is from Denver, Colorado. Racine, Wisconsin, always makes me think of a league of their own. Absolutely. The um, oh god, what was their team name? Oh, I'm forgetting. Uh. Their their uniforms are yellow. There's like Rockford Peach. I remember yeah, it's that. the Rockford Peaches, and uh, I don't think I can name another team. I, I don't just think know I the can towns. Yeah, you're right. No, but I that's the one that, that kid goes to at the end. Yes, and she like yes. they're like versus each She's other. Like, I've been final, transferred to Racine. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So your mom's from there. She's from there, and she played for the and women's she, league. And she, <laughs> she played in the women's football <laughs> league. Um, that'd be a really sh- big shocker. I if almost, I, if I, found I that almost out. uncovered something great there. I know. But we'll keep going. Who knows? We could, it, you know, you know, maybe she'll reveal <laughs> that to her. me later. Yeah. in life. Um, yeah, my dad's from Colorado, and cool. they actually met. At NYU, uh, at um, in grad school for film. I'm really excited to see how it's, the it's, story so goes. Of course, Let's go to one Alabama. naturally moves to Mobile, Alabama, what? after Why? you get your MFA in film at NYU. Um, Was there a big filmmaking scene in that area? No. Is there like an incentive program in no, Alabama? No. Well, then really. what are we doing? Um, I, you know, there's any. Pro- I mean. I'm sure I don't even know exactly the answer, but my parents aren't together anymore. They div- gotcha. they split up when I was 11. I think divorced officially when I was about 16. Um, and uh, my father taught at a Jesuit college. Mm. Uh, They're called Spring Hill College, and he he ended up for a lot. Of, I mean, I think Did he, he taught teach there. Film? Uh, he taught, yeah, photography, film. He was the chairman of the communication and arts department for many years. Just retired about. Two years ago now, I think after at least 35 years. Wow. I'm not going to get that exact number right, probably. That's quite a career, though, regardless. Oh, my gosh, right? Yeah. yeah that's and impressive. I think, uh, you know, I'm going to, I mean, my understanding of it was probably wanting to do more of the family thing and go more secure, mm-hmm. secure route and trying out this different environment. And, um... We so my I have one older sister, three years older than I am, and she was born in Omaha, which they had a little brief stint there in Omaha because of some other family that lived there. But then he got this job, and wow. they moved down there, and I was born Providence Hospital, Mobile, Alabama. Lived in the same house until graduated high school, and I was always so jealous of people moving. But I think I've made up for that over my adult years of right. moving place to place to place. It's so strange because I've heard so many stories. But I think you're the only other Matt 
that I've interviewed, because I interviewed Matt Cowart. Oh, yeah. And he grew up 100% until he graduated high school in Montgomery. In Montgomery, Alabama? Yeah. Good Lord. And so it's, if I interview another person named Matt and they're not from Alabama, it's going to wreck the whole... You, through like, line of this show. Make sure they're from like Opelika yeah. or Dothan <laughs> exactly. or something. Yeah. You, yeah. Those Matt really Bullock is famous. Matt from no, yeah, no. <laughs> He's super not from Alabama <laughs> at all. Uh, so uh, cool. So what you that's what your dad so what's your mom up to when you're younger? Uh, she's uh, sort of Wraith family, also did um, uh, is a vi- visual artist, photographer as well, and did this sort of mixed medium photography slash painting color over the photos. And, right. uh, and then went back to school for pre-med track and then got a biology major and a chemistry minor. Um, what an academic she is. Yeah, she's very bright, wow. very artistic and very bright. And just through the way life sort of happened um she's actually now she lives in a town called york alabama which is near livingston uh sort of right on the west side of the state central Mm -hmm. west near mississippi Mm -hmm. um and she's a reference librarian at the university of west alabama there which she was a reference librarian at spring hill college uh for years at mobile so So after all that stuff and she's 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 a reference yeah she's she's there yeah she yeah had a brief stint in the forensic science uh Apartment in Mobile. Yeah, it's done a lot of unique things. <laughs> so, would you consider yourself an academic? Not at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I wish. I like. I'm a wannabe. Sure. Def- definitely. I mean, you I read books and, and stuff. And it's. I do. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. What? I've heard of them. <laughs> right, no. Right. No. I. I Top totally, to bottom left. To I. Right. To, I totally do. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I think probably because I went to, I did one year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids don't pay attention to this day in school. Um, I was in a musical theater program at Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Sure. Um, and then ended up getting a job over the summer that ended up getting me another job and then kept getting more and more work. But I, I think if, like, oh, we're already getting to like divulging like secrets. I mean, like, my one like thing. I feel like it's like, oh, I wish I had sort yeah. of done a more liberal arts education. Had yeah. that. I mean, I tried to be a good self-motivator in reading as many about interesting topics and right. the New York Times and, you know, trying to keep up with, it, you know, the world that way. Just trying but, to self-educate, but what are you missing the... The quizzes and the and the Certain, essays. No, maybe? certainly not. But maybe the discipline of that, sure. like being in that concentrated environment that way. I mean, it was very disciplined as a, you know, performer, singer, dancer, actor in terms right. of all of that kind of class and technique. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a secret part of me that wants, you know, wishes I was, you know, that brainiac that way. <laughs> well, I think that's a cool thing about that I definitely discovered when I was, I don't know, like maybe like 24, 25, after I was like in this program and had given up on conventional education a long time ago. And I started to realize that that is never a thing that's going to go away. And I kind of naively thought that as a young person. was yes. like, I'm going to get to this point where I stop studying and learning things and then I'm just going to be whoever I am. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And truthfully, it's like, if I don't know how something works, especially now, you can just look it up and learn it. Yes. At mm-hmm. any time, you know? And it doesn't matter if you're in your 20s or 30s, 40s, 50s, wherever. You can continue to learn and, and grow, which you would think would be an obvious idea. But, but it's, it, not, it's, it's not. It's not when you're young. I don't think it occurs to anybody when you're a young person. I, don't, I think you, you think you're going to get to stop. Yes. Yes. And that you'll have this sort of like, yeah, like no more ignorance. Right. <laughs> yeah. In some ways. And, you know, and I think, yeah, I mean, the wisest people, maybe that's the thing, that, you know, as you start to learn, like we're all ignorant on certain subjects. It just right. depends on what they are, you know, and so that yeah. hopefully keeps an open mind about things. Well, but. and some people probably do shut off, I guess, now that I think about it and just decide like, and now I know enough things. And I feel like when you meet those people, you yeah. can tell right away, like, yeah. wow, you don't. They're called Donald Trump supporters. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 100%. No, that's 100% in the right direction. That's true because there is a huge segment of our population, I think, that has this... I think the first time I ever heard it called this was I heard like a David Cross stand up in the late 90s. And oh, he was great. like, he was really blowing my mind when I was like, you know, that age. Like, whoa. And he said something of like, you'd be surprised. I've traveled the whole country and you'd, you'd just be shocked of how many 
the how much of a large of our part of our population is willfully ignorant. Like they don't know what's going on. They don't want to know what's going on. They are okay with the with lies and knowing that it's not real. Yeah. And like all that kind of crazy stuff. And it seems like oh that would be a fringe part of our population, but what I think we're seeing with the Donald Trump polling is that it's actually a bigger section of our country than we think it is. Yeah, it's what, I mean, like, who, I mean, I, I mean, whoever would have thought, like, it was probably, like, in 2008, right, when the, you know, presidential, you know, when we got Sarah Palin and uh-huh. Obama, you know, and that we turned, like, you know, uh, intellectual into, like, like a bad word, you, you know. Right. It's you know, it's elitist. It's all snobbish and like. And you, I you think know. W did some of that too. Yes, oh, it was com- really. Oh, you're, like, you're right. Oh you know, god, he, of course. I feel like he ran yeah. on the ticket of you. He's a president you'd have a beer with. Yeah, it's like yeah, like that. yeah, it's not necessarily like have guy. anything to do with. I being want president. a president who is like. 10,000 times smarter than I am. Right. I, I mean, like, please be the most educated, thoughtful person in the right. room. Like, and and if you spoke to me, I'd be like, uh-huh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Because it's, I mean, I just can't imagine. But there are those people who don't feel safer with someone who's smarter than them. Yeah, I mean. They feel safer with someone who is on their level and thinks about things the way that they do and is misinformed in the way that they are. And, yeah. It's a representative democracy, truthfully, and that's the thing that I think is scaring everybody right now is we're like, oh, wow. A yeah. big part of our population is being represented yeah. for the first time in a loud way. Because it's been a long time, I think, since these people have really gotten to stand up on this soapbox and be like, yeah, and you know what? No more of these people either. Yeah. I mean, when you said safe, I think you're actually right. I mean, because it doesn't, it all stems from fear. Right. You know, uh, fear of not knowing, fear that you aren't going to be safe, fear... Um, and so someone who can explain things simply and... And I also, I don't know, maybe this is not right, but sometimes I think, like, you know, just how life has become in terms of, you know, people having to work, you know, three jobs to earn a living at minimum right. wage and all that. Like, life is so hard for yeah. people that where is the time to even try to educate yourself, exactly. too? So I think that's also contributed into this sort of willful ignorance because, mm-hmm. like, you know, in a lot of ways, like, who's got time? No, totally. <laughs> you know, there, totally. There's just, it, it, it there seems to be, you know, I mean, you know, just more just continued struggle with that to just try to make ends meet. And so that doesn't lend itself to a lot of progression in one's thought, right. I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's true. And, and you you think, you know, we have enough problems in our own backyard kind of mentality. You yeah. Know, why do we got to worry about, and now we got to worry about this other religious a culture coming in in what may be an aggressive way and that's gonna scare me in a world I'm already scared in yeah for sure yeah did you find that growing up in Alabama that that was the kind of culture you were surrounded by or did you when you left you were like oh wow the world is big and scared um Kind of both. Uh, I mean, I always knew, you know, we sort of um, probably had an elitist view of Alabama even at the very beginning. Because, you know, I was a, ch- I was a theater kid there. And, we, sure. you know, we had a little bit more sort of, uh, you know, open-minded and stuff. I always knew that there, you know, just, you know, the uh, stereotypical, you know, redneck viewpoint that a lot of the country sees as the deep right. south. And there's really, I mean, my sort of defense of that is I actually got amazing like amazing education a lot of aspects there and really passionate smart caring teachers right and arts activities and exposure yeah and all that so there is a lot there but there also still is a lot especially in the sort of political realm i think of the state where and that just seems to continue to be more and more so whenever i see news about alabama that's just like way more conservative shutting things down right blocking funding for people and stuff but um uh, so, yes, the world, I, because I had two parents who had been in New York, also in different parts of the country, right. and sort of there was exposed himself to a lot of, th- yeah, I, I mean, I sort of, I think I had a really good upbringing, sort of an awareness of what to expect when I got out into the real world, and mm-hmm. this sort of self-discipline and motivation that carried me through, so I was definitely scared when I got to, like, the big bad city, right. um, but was able to handle it, I guess, I more so, so than some people that... Right. 
I knew from my hometown who wanted to give things a shot who after a while just it maybe became too much for them. So alongside other people that you grew up with, um, you in touch with many people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as best as I can. Um, I wait, I'm a terrible social media person and like I'm like Facebook is the way to do it, but I just, I don't know why. It's just like <laughs> never has gravitated towards me. But right. I actually just went this summer for the first time in eight years down to Mobile. Wow. Um, yes, and my partner saw Mobile for the first time uh, ever. And I taught at the ballet school that I, uh, I grew up, like, in high school I was trained in and saw, you know, a bunch of friends who still live down there. Ocean in the theater of nostalgia. That I grew up. Yeah, I mean, and it was really, really great. I mean, I, I'd still seen a lot of these people and, like, my family, but they would just always come to New York or come somewhere else. Right. It was easier to go up there as opposed to come down here, but uh, sure. come down there. Um, so that was really terrific and you know you just can't help but I think step into your hometown and you just get flooded with that like totally. sense memory and absolutely I mean I moved a lot around the Austin Texas area but that's basically where I grew up and I grew up in some other places too but every time I go back and my parents have not I mean I they don't live in any house that I ever grew up in they don't okay and you know we've moved so many times that you know all the places I grew up other people live there but I, I do the tour every now and then. Yeah. Every few years, because it's a lot. Yeah. I'll go in chronological order to each home that I lived in and just drive by and like see what's in the parking, uh, in the uh, driveway, or you know see if they put up a basketball goal or yeah. something. You know, that do kind they of change? Stuff is do a, they change a lot? A little bit. I know there's one in particular that I lived in in like sixth grade that was one of my favorite houses, and uh, one of my best friends who went to school here and kind of you know had me come here really. Mm. He he always is like, man, that was the best house you ever had. Like you moved all, all the time, you had all those different places, but that one was cool. And I'm pretty sure the same people live there that moved in right after I moved right out, okay. which was 15 years ago. But I'm pretty sure it's the same people because I see the same like classic Corvette. That's mm. like looks like they restored it or something. Yeah. It's in the same spot every time. And every time I go by and I'm like, good. <laughs> you know, it's like I <laughs> yeah. feel like for some reason, since they've stuck around, I'm like, that house must be safe. Like, yeah. So there's someone taking some, care of it. Something special there. Yeah, I, I like yeah. it. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, Austin, Texas. I, I've always wanted to go. You've never I, been? No. It's Dude. like, yeah. I've been to like San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. and But everyone said like Austin is the Scrap place. Scrap all gotta, of those plans. I know. I got to get there. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh you know, it's tough for me because, and I hope that this changes, I'm about to go spend a month there, which I'm really excited about. Oh, cool. But, um, or a little less, but yeah, it's great. I left when I was 20, so, and it's an adult town. Yeah. It's a drinking town, it's a live music town, it's a 21 and over town. And I left when I was 20, and I grew up there, so <laughs> like, I know all the cool stuff about it. And I did lots of great things. I mean, there's plenty of family fun in Austin, for sure. Okay. Uh, and in growing up there, you know, there's great stuff. There's a really great park called Zilker Park that's like this massive multi-acre park that has like uh, a spring and all this. I mean, it's a great place to grow up. But the thing that when you meet other adults and they're like, Austin, they're not talking about any of that shit. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're talking about partying not on 6th Street. Them go to the park, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're talking about going to 6th Street. They're talking about, you know, okay. seeing shows at Stubbs and like, you know, all the, the barbecue and all that stuff that's involved in that nightlife. Yeah. That... Uh, and it's great. I mean, I've been back s several times, but I've never like lived there as an adult. So I don't get the. I've never gotten the full vibe. So for this month that you're gonna be there, you're yeah, gonna like I'm really you know, gonna try, try to make to up for all time. that lost time. Yeah, I and think just so. Like just like you know, stay out all hours in the morning. I'll have to. I'll have to have all my childhood friends who still live there introduce me to my town again. Yeah. And be like, where do we drink? I don't know anything about. Uh, and that's how I feel every time I go back. They're like, yeah, we're all gonna go to this place. You know, you grew up here, and I'm like, no, I didn't, cause I was 16. Yeah. And I didn't go drinking downtown, so no, I don't know the spots. Yeah. Um, but I think that'll be cool. When when did you start this uh, singing, dancing, extravaganza? Most people shebang. I know who dance professionally started like one in the womb, right? Like, prenatal. Exa exactly. <laughs> Are you a prenatal dancer? I'm not a prenatal dancer. Boy, do I wish though. That would have been um, if only. Um, no, I started uh, not late. Definitely for. Um, 
uh, a female just because it's always so much harder and they always have to start so much earlier, I think. Um, uh, but still even late for a guy. I didn't officially train until I was 14 years old, freshman what? year of high school. Um, I had done, first thing I did when I was younger, like starting at five, like five to ten was gymnastics. So right. I had some flexibility and this... Um, and and was and was pretty good at it. And then I got freaked out about having to do a double backflip. Uh, uh, Why? I know, right? Well, it's like I never get freaked out when I do a double backflip. <laughs> when you do a double backflip, I'm really cool about it. My, it's like my pulse is low. Why just two? Yeah, exactly. You know, why settle? No, three or four, I can understand some yeah. anxiety. Now that's but... that's getting like technical. So you're being a big um, baby, and then what? Yeah, I was totally a big baby. <laughs> um, uh, the odd thing was, I, I mean, it, it just like I mean, it's forced like introduction to fear um, sure. because I like. Uh, I mean, they would just my teacher would say, "Hey, try this." Like, and I things I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. Do it." Do it, do it, do it, and then first performance anxiety moment I had in my life was the, the I did what's called acro gymnastics, mm-hmm. which uh, like mini trampoline where you do like have, sure. and, and uh, trampoline and power tumbling to so like a long sprung floor as wow. opposed to like I w- like we didn't do rings or pommel horse or anything right. like that. You're like jetting across the room. Yeah. Yeah. fast and doing tumbly, jumpy, cartwheely yes. stuff. I wish I had started like rings and like bar, like so you create that like m- ridiculous amount of strength early right. on. So you become that yeah. kind of upside down pyramid shaped person. Yeah, mine was more like momentum, power, flexibility. Like, sure. Like, that um, certainly prepared you, I think, more for what you do now than that would have. Pro- pro- yeah, you're, yeah, right? you're, you're, pro- you're probably absolutely right about that. But I re- you only so, need so much. You're not doing as many lifts now, are you? Is that a big part of what you're doing? Yeah, still do so. Still do some partnering. Um, I love partnering. That's actually. great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just such a beautiful way of moving and to express something. I think. And yeah. Um, like people like Twyla Tharp, who's like, like she's just a genius at partnering, coming up with these lifts that are. Um, off the hook, if you will, <laughs> if you will. I will. Um, but like, so this acro, you, the national acro gymnastics championship was held in Mobile uh, when I was ten years old, and I qualified for it cool. uh, for like the you know like eight to eleven range mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. and all I had to do was like two little passes on this mini trampoline and a trampoline routine. And I did them all the time. And I remember, like, getting there, and all of a sudden, I was, like, ready, and I was, like, what if you just forget how to do this? And I, like, I totally, like, I totally, like, collapsed in wow. mid-trampoline thing. And, and just, like, totally let this, like, fear and lack of trust get in my way, which is what now teaching, I'm, like, you got to trust yourself. you gotta, you got to yeah. believe yourself because... You were coming from a real place yeah, on this that. Is, this is, like, was in it me. It will destroy it you. It will. Like, you will literally collapse, like, as a 10-year-old at this thing. Right. I still ended up placing fourth in one thing and fifth nice. in the other. Do you know how many were in my category? How many? Five. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but it was... It, you get to go to... Whatever the next level was, or was that the top? No, that that was it. That was sort of the national thing. And of course, like I blew it uh, at that point, <laughs> and you know, and then like then I was like going back to gymnastics and starting to learn these things, and that was when all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know about this. I'm getting afraid, and right. you know, as one I think does when you're younger, you're like like with telling parents, I, I want to quit. I don't, I don't like. I'm not, I'm not feeling comfortable. Totally. And then I found theater. There you go. Um, shortly after that. Uh, and helped, like, sort of overcome that, you know, I guess that kind of uh, trust and anxiety that, you know, I still think about, you still battle with to this day. Totally. But I, so I did community theater from, like, 11 years old all the way through high school, this wonderful children's community theater called The Playhouse in the Park uh, that was literally down the street from where we grew up. And nice. it was like our second home. We, yeah, I know that feeling. My my sister and I both of it. My sister liked doing lights and helping mm-hmm. build the set. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> let me sing and dance. Totally. Um, but I, I, it was um, my sort of directing mentor. And uh, he had this little, you know, rep company for for students that uh, suggested I start taking some more dance because they saw I could pick it up. Mm-hmm. They thought, like, you get a little bit more um, training under your belt. And I went to a magnet school, high school and in Mobile, that offered dance. And then 
that teacher, Joanne Christopher, was like, it took me under her wing and was like, you need to get more ballet. And they put me in Mobile Ballet School right there. And being a guy in Mobile dancing totally. is, you know, there's not a lot of them offering for that. So scholarship I was, the only guy was in my a good thing. Grade dance class. <laughs> Were you? I was. What, kind, what was it like? Jazz dance? Yeah, it was or like was jazz. It? And then we had, uh, we did jazz dance. And then we had like where we would do alternating weeks of different uh, partner dancing too. Mm. So uh, we would, you know, we learned some salsa. We learned a little waltz stuff. Cool. We just steps, you know, yeah. uh, and how yeah. that stuff works. Footwork and yeah, thing. basically. And then I think there were six of us guys in this program this like and it was the it was a pilot program it was the first year they were doing it in middle school and i had really screwed the pooch sixth grade on band that was not going to be happening again uh okay because i rolled in be like i'm going to be a drummer but there was a line right and so Uh, you had to audition to be in the drumming program but i was like no problem i was taking lessons yeah and so i was like i'm gonna roll in and just like you said with the trampoline i get up and it's (laughs) And the audition was in front of everyone, which You're I like, think was a poor what? choice. What? It was like all <laughs> these that kids. About? And you have to go up one at a time. They do a little pattern. You have to do a little pattern. Oh, that's nerve-wracking. And I choked bad and screwed it up. And I remember, I'll never forget the look in her eyes of like, I don't think you're hearing what I'm doing. Let me try it again. And me being like, <laughs> I do hear it. I know I can do this. And I just couldn't it's do it. Coming out. And so, and they were like, well, you have to go to the down the hall then and pick another instrument. If you don't place in this thing, that that's not gonna do. But they didn't tell you right then if you place. So it was like we'll call you and let you know if you placed. But in case you don't, you need to go down the hall to the cafeteria and try out the other instruments, fiddle with the fiddle, and pick up the trumpet and see how you feel about it. In case you don't, so that you have a backup instrument. And I was so pissed about how it went. I was like, Dad, take me home. And so we didn't go look at the other instruments. And I was like, But maybe they'll still let me in. Like I don't know. So I didn't get it. And then I didn't pick another instrument, and I showed up on the first day of band class, and they were like, what do you play? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you tell me. Like, you you don't have an instrument or anything? You didn't bring anything today? <laughs> I was like, no, I didn't get the drum thing, so then I didn't know what to do. And they were like, well, there's only two spots left. You have to play one of these two instruments. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, and they were like, the trumpet or the trombone? Uh, okay. And I was like, oh, they both sound bad. And so they brought me into the office, and they were like, try both of these mouthpieces out. And I tried the little one, not happening. <laughs> Give me that big fat trombone mouthpiece. The embouchure. I tried. I kind of got that little brr out. And they were like, all right, well, I guess you'll have to figure that one out. Had to go rent a trombone, played it for the whole year. It was the most terrible thing. So next year I was like, I guess I'm going to do dance. I had not thought about theater at all. I was like, I guess that's the thing I'm going to do. I think there's girls in there. That was that, my whole attitude. And then I got to be like the one guy in the dance class, and I was. it ended up being pretty fun. I did not take it again, but that, I took one year. That's smart, though. That, yeah. that, how did it get you into theater, though, from that? Well, like, because my best friend was doing community theater with his sister. Okay. And they had kind of gotten involved. The older sister got involved, and she pulled the younger brother in. And then it kind of snowballed eventually that I did something there. But what happened was is I, I went I decided to play football in eighth grade because you could play football in eighth grade. And so I went out for football. I was really skinny and really fast, but because uh, of, you know, Adderall. So I was really <laughs> skinny and really fast. And uh, so I, I was a tight end, and I played for a little bit. But then I got – I pulled my Achilles tendon and, like, dislocated oh, completely. Crap. got really bad tendonitis. Yeah, yeah. And so all of a sudden it was like, what else are you going to do? So I did newspaper and theater. And then that so theater teacher it. was on the board at the community theater. So that link was like obvious. Okay. And so me and my best friend who graduated from here in 2010 uh-huh. and his older sister started being there. Started and doing, we made yeah. a bunch of friends and some of our lifelong friends are from that theater. That's cool. But yeah, yeah it was really, really cool. What was the first play you did ever? First play I did ever? Or musical, whatever. Well, actually, this this is I this is very funny. The first play, and I kid, I kid you not, was the Scottish play when nice. I was ten years old. Who were you? I, I was the man. Of course you were. I was the man. I was. We were in. There was a. Do you guys have when you grow up a, a, a class called Pace P A C E? It was like an it was like an accelerated artistic learning class that I've like heard once called, a week. I've heard it called a did. bunch of different things. Yep. There's Pace. I've heard Gate, the Gifted and Talented Education. Okay. I've heard Tag, Talented and Gifted. I've heard so many different <laughs> things. But yes, the like 
smart kids go read bigger books. Yes, you. Yeah, we Fridays. like got exposed to like artists, impressionism, classical music, totally. and we did uh, Shakespeare. Like, cool. so my fourth and fifth grade, I got to do that. And the first one was uh, I can I can say it in here. We're not. Right? We're, we're not in a conference in room. I can say Macbeth. Macbeth. That's fine. Yeah, so I it shows you it how superstition, you. Uh, superstitious I am. Uh, and then Julius Caesar, fifth grade. Were you Julius Caesar? Uh, no, I was. I was Brutus and Mark Anthony. Like we all like alternate wow. with different scenes. Those are two and great parts. Yeah, they, I mean, I yeah, got, if you're going to double very, cast, I got very good casting yeah. when I was I was in that pace class. And I remember. I wasn't supposed to play Macbeth the whole play. Mind you, this was like, I think, a 30-minute version. Right. <laughs> um, but the other student got sick, and I had to, like, learn his lines, and I was like, I, I just knew them. Uh, and, and I remember being so excited that I got to say hell and damned yeah. in, front of the caf- in front of the school cafeteria. Because that's where yeah. it formed, like, in the school cafeteria. That's nice. Um, so that was my first, literally first first performance. First, like, community theater performance, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And? I was Snick. You're like, who is that? Yeah, that's my face um, right now. There was, I don't even, I'm not even sure where this script came from, because I, I wanted to do it, because I was like, Was it like hey, community theater, like, they had too many kids, so it was like Snow White and the no, 38 Dwarfs it was or like, something? it was like the straight play version, it wasn't Disney Snow White, in the, Uh-oh. in the, it was like Glick, Flick, Snick, Wick, Tick, Blick, and Quee. I remember, like, the dopey <laughs> character was named Quee, Q-U-E-E. And That's so weird. I, I, I know, and I still, I, I still, I should try to find out, like, who wrote that version? What is that version from? But I remember I was Snick, and we got to wear a beard, uh, and, like, spirit gum, the whole shebang, and I was, like, totally taken. <laughs> That's crazy. And so, you're like, yeah. This fake hair on my face is itchy. Pulling it off hurts. Let's do more of this. Let's keep going. Right. Yeah. I just, I mean, I had, I think I ushered at that theater for a solid, like, two years while my sister was, like, working lights there. and Lights and sets and, and, and stuff. Um, uh, and just, like, just obsessed with it. Everything, like, that, you know, and these kids, you know, who at the time were probably, you know, 16, 17, 16, 15, 16, and 17, like, these big kids, and I was just, like, idolizing. I was like, I just want to be a part of what they're doing. Totally. And so then finally got the courage to do acting class, and I was like, I realized, I was like, ah, when I can, like... When you have to like just turn it on and go like that's really cool. It's really liberating, yeah. you know. Because I was a very shy kid in a Were lot you? in a lot of ways. Yeah, remember someone in um, high school almost described me as like Michigan J. Frog from the Warner Brothers cartoons. Wow, you ever, yeah. you ever seen that? You know, totally. where it's like you're like, like really quiet and unless no one's looking. And then and like then he's hello, song my and dance. baby. Yeah, yeah. like. Like when called upon, I'm like, let's let's go balls to the walls. <laughs> I have a bunch of students like that that I just got finished teaching in High Point for like three semesters, and I work with a, several kids. And there's two boys in my head right now that I'm thinking like, when when you're trying to do something, they're such hams and they're so distracting and disruptive, and they're so funny to everybody else in the room, and and they're killing. And then you're like, all right, now it's time for your lip sync performance. And they just stand there. And they do. Like uh, a rock. Interesting. When it's time for them to do something. And they could be grabbing the mic, you know. Yeah. Doing Steven Tyler and, and going crazy, getting that same attention they were just getting in the same positive way. But there's something about calling it the performance. Yeah. Giving it that title, handing them a microphone and saying, yeah. this is your moment, that they're like, no. It's, it's interesting because that... for. And I, and I guess, and I do, actually, I can see why people feel that way, because all of a sudden it's like, you're on. But for me, it was like the exact opposite. Like, mm. when I was given permission to be on, I would go for it. Right. But, like, in, like not in performance, I'd be more quiet. I want to be more, like, you know, try to be, like, you know, best little boy, mm-hmm. good kid. Um, and I remember always people being very surprised that, like, the sort of the ability to be rather big and expressive right. when, like, in school, I was, like, probably the, the quietest kid right. for a long time until high school. It's interesting when you have those really quiet people in their personal lives and then they get this outlet where they're able to just explode in a yeah. way that they feel like they don't have permission to. Yeah, I th- and, and, like, and also, and maybe it's, you know, the fact that you can sort of jump into somebody else's skin, in a sense. Yeah, and, and you're, you're a little know, bit less responsible, that, maybe. Yeah, so... um 
Yeah, it is. It is interesting. <laughs> do you uh, do you have siblings? I have one sister named Kira, three years older. How does Kira spell her name? K I R A. That's my favorite. I, it, I've heard it spelled and seen simple. it. I heard it spelled. I've seen it spelled a lot of different ways. It's like K Y. Yeah, or 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 sometimes people even do like two vowels. They do like K I E or so. I've seen all sorts of weird Some stuff for Kira. Silent That's, P in front of the K. Exactly. Just... Yeah. The P is silent, like in knife. It's. Uh, uh, do you know Nichols it, in May? Do you uh-huh. ever? Mike Nichols and Elaine May. I mean, I know who Mike Nichols the com- is. That that just made me, like this is an amazing comedy duo in the '60s that yeah. did, they did like radio improv and there's this really famous, um, well, famous I guess fact that this uh, uh, he Mike Nichols is calling. Uh, he's at a payphone and he needs uh-huh. to like he's got to make this urgent call and his dot di- his dime got like lost so he's talking to the operator and he's like I need to speak to uh, Kaplan and she's like Kaplan is that K as in knife. <laughs> um, it, right. A is an aardvark. P right. is in pneumonia. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, these are like so clever. So I wondered if you had heard that. I think there's a Steve <laughs> Martin joke too. That's like P is in pneumonia. P is in pneumonia. I wonder else, if he. Yeah. I wonder if he. I bet he got it from there sure. because they were earlier. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Love Steve Martin. It's uh, you have one sister named Kira. What she do? What, she's a lawyer. No, she was. Um, He's academics. She, yeah, she's and and she's she's the good kind of lawyer, the kind that doesn't make much money. Gotcha. Um, she uh, does a lot of environmental law. Great. And uh, she worked actually. She she just finished working for this group called Cub. Consum- it's like a consumer advocacy group in mm-hmm. Wisconsin, where she um, sort of monitors utility companies uh, to protect. The consumer, the rate payers, oh, you know great. that they're that anytime there increases, that they are not. So you that's know, fair and yeah, exactly. based on something they actually need to do. Exactly, that's yeah. great because that is one of those things we kind of take for granted. I feel like as consumers, we're like, just turn the shit on and please don't yes. steal from us. And it's just like we have no idea how it works. Yeah, I don't know anything about know. how power gets to my house. Yeah, I understand there's a grid. It can come from different stuff. That's about as far as I go. And then if one month it's more. I just fucking pay it. You're like, did I leave the lights on a little bit <laughs> I guess bit I must more? have. Did you know? I, I know. It's that I simple. Mean, it's, so it's good to know that there's people, like people like out there. watching out for us. Yeah. You know, in, in that sense. And it's kind of like the people who make sure that when you pump the gas, it's as much gas as it's supposed to be. That's a thing that occurred to me when I think I was like 24. I was like, how do I know as much gas as I'm paying for is going out of this tube and into my car? Yes. I never a, thought about that I'm, for so long. And then I'm, eventually I was like... Well, shit, someone's got to be checking this to make sure they're not giving me, like, 0.9 gallons or something. Yeah. I never thought of that. Until right now? I'm just thinking about that now. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. I mean, I drove for, like, almost 10 years before I thought about it at all, and I was just like, what if I'm getting, like, a little bit less per gallon? You know, like, like who, how do you check that? How do you yeah, make sure? But there's the actually all that. There's yeah. an agency that, that is specifically required. They go around, they check each machine, make sure it outputs the amount, and then they put a little sticker on there, and you can see the sticker that's, like, last inspected. Yeah. I thought about this, of course, once it, it plagued my mind. And just, like, why we need things like that. You know, yeah. we were, like, you know, uh, too much government and all that stuff. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, you're, like, who is, like, are you going to be able to inspect that? I mean, like. Totally. Yeah. There's no way to know. I'm not going to put it in a jug and measure that I got five gallons and make sure it's five and then put it in my car. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to trust that the amount is going through. And I think it's interesting that you say that. There's a huge amount of, like. You know, we don't want this regulation, and, and there's a huge sentiment of small government. And for a really long time, I kind of, as a young, naive person, I was like, I think I'm libertarian. Oh, you me know? too. Like, yeah. I was like, growing up, yeah. I was like, I feel like, as a naive person, and knowing I don't know a lot, I think my attitude is, everyone just mind their own business, you know? Like, let me do my thing, like and everybody trust have, yeah, that as long as you're not own... hurting anybody, that you do your own thing, and that you take care of yourself and your own community. And yes. that made sense. But the more I kind of grew up and participated in different corporate companies that I've worked for and big institutions and, and several, I mean, I've had dozens of jobs. And the system that we live in, this pure capitalist thing that we are always trying to push on everybody, is designed to take advantage of people fundamentally. And I really do believe that. I think on the base level of what we do and it doesn't have to be this way but it's become this way in our culture we push the lowest employees to the bottom we push all the wealth to the top of the of the company and we continue to find ways 
to keep it that way and to keep that gap big. You know, find out how you can get... My, my parents grew up... I was just talking to my dad last night. We talked for like three hours. And we were talking about how all three of my parents, kind of in the same business but in different roles, have always worked on commission. So I have a very particular attitude about getting paid for what you do. Sure. You know? Yeah. And so when... For example, when I get hired to work for like a theater company that my friends have started, I have a very business first attitude if there's money involved. Which is and smart. it's like, you know, I have to you do gotta, what yeah. you're paying me to do. Now, if you need me to do more stuff, we either need to renegotiate the pay or you need to at least ask me, hey, I know you're doing this not for what we talked about, right. but here's the change. And it's when people assume that because you're buddies that you're just going to pick up that slack. And there are so many people out there who are cool with that and do that, that it creates that culture where that's kind of how it works. Yeah. And, and like the, the, what it costs for theater company and everything. Exactly. I mean, there's just no money, you know, yeah, <laughs> no, totally. the wrong business. Right. And I don't mind, you yeah. know, someone coming to me and saying like, look, I know we only said we were going to pay you X for ABC, but look, D came up. We really got to need somebody to do it. Could you help us out? That's yeah. fine. But there's something that gets in my soul when they just assume you're going to pick up that D and yeah. it's not what you talked about being the deal, you know? I know, that's, yeah. And then you talk that, you talk about how, I talk about how I feel with other people in regards to that, and it's often like, well, dude, that's a little cold. They're your friends, and this is your company. It's like, yeah, but this is a business. Yeah, I mean. It was just fun when it was in the backyard, but once they started paying people, I think that changes everything, and you kind of got to come from a business perspective first yeah. and be like, we'll get drunk later and be friends. Yeah. But first, let's do the right thing That's, by each other. Yeah. And, and I think the systems are kind of set up not to necessarily respect everybody's time That's and why I say thank God for an agent. Because yeah. I, I, like, I... Because we need I, them. Oh, yeah. And I we need not, the unions. Yeah. And we need that, you know, yeah, we, ha- so you, we need uh, I mean, these uh, people to look out for us. We need that kind of protection. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we need checks and balances that way, I think. Right. But, and especially yeah. in our business. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. oh, my God, is there so little money in certain pockets. Yeah. And... And there's so much money in other pockets. Right. And then it gets splurged on some people and not others. So I think I think it's right. You got to be smart about how you let people treat you. One hundred percent. And it, because like for me, like especially as like uh, you know a performer, you you, you know you, you know you do want to play. <laughs> And so I would I would like create the worst deals for myself ever if I right. had it because be like well this is all we can offer okay well if you're ha- if that makes you happy right you know I mean so yeah thank God for for agents in our business do you have a a good story maybe without specifics of of a time that you really look back on like wow I really got taken and I just wasn't paying attention and I wish I could have uh actually you know it, I in some ways not. So much because, I mean, a lot of the contracts that I've done that were like prior to an agent negotiating or Mm -hmm. anything were, you know, always these like union standard, like, you know, you hear the word favor nations contracts all all Mm -hmm. the time. So there isn't a lot of negotiation, but there's at least protection by the the union for these contracts. So I so. Truthfully, no. I've never felt That's like. Good. I mean, I I've had thing like for things not about money. I've had I had actually one of the first uh, sort of interactions with my agent that I have now. We had this whole thing about a a, a billing uh, for a program for a show that I was in. I was replacing somebody that had a. Uh, better billing and I thought oh this is good you know I'm early in my career you know it's sort of more on a featured tier that way and they didn't want to give it to me because they were trying to move to this more ensemble like feel for this production but yet they still were uh, adhering to this hierarchy and I made this point you know sounds like a run around to me yeah and they were kind of saying like so but you don't like if he's doing the work that this person had and you still have this if you're not knocking everyone into this sort of uniform way why why are you doing this and so uh accept an answer uh not really just sort of accepted it and was like okay i'm gonna take it and then there was another replacement that came into this production who ended up getting that billing and i was like whoa what just happened here you know i mean right. if you were told that this is we're sort of moving from that i was right. like i just were got they not like duped L's? in that in this? that sense <laughs> yeah and so it was actually i mean it, it was in some ways a proud moment i i gave um uh, i decided it, i'd been with this production for a really long really long amount of time and had a wonderful experience like amazing experience but it felt like okay well 
so now I think my time here, uh, like, I need to move on. Uh, and so I opted to sort of give notice, not in defiance, you right. know, in that sense, but more in like, all right, I see, I see where where we stand with this and I would like to get this and if I'm not happy with this then my options always is to go and it was I think it was a really good learning experience early on because it wasn't done with any malice I mean of course I was upset but you understand A it's a business and for some reason they were doing whatever the reason they were doing with it and I like these people really like working with them but it felt good and empowering uh, as a young artist to go okay well now all right, so I'm going to pursue another avenue here at this point Um, uh, so it was yeah it it was just an interesting learning experience for there no I think that's important I think it's important to value your time like I said in this business and to take care of yourself and and to look out for for what's best because you never know who's going to do that and probably nobody else really yeah like you really can't count on very many other people and I know that growing up you know like I said my parents all work on commission in different ways and my stepdad he's a mechanic Mm. and man talk about a business where the the shop is always probably going to try to get the most out of that guy while paying him the least amount possible you know and he's going to want him to stay late if possible. Sure. And sweep the floor around his whole area or whatever. They're always going to try to do something else. And my stepdad was the first guy to drop his wrench and walk out mm. if something didn't go right or if he didn't feel like he was being treated fairly. Yeah. And it wasn't about malice, like you said. I mean, sometimes, sure, he was mad. But it wasn't about making a statement. It was really just about being like, look, I'm here for money. Yeah, it's like it's boundaries. A job. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. This is not a yeah. passion project being a mechanic. Right? Yeah. I did, this is not my baby. This yeah. is me coming into work. Dollars for actions. And if you're not going to meet the deal, then I'm going to go find somewhere else because I got a skill. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the, it is. I mean that's it may like like boundaries and protection, but that it, it all can be done without this sort of emotional part to it. it, it, it right. You know, I mean, especially like when you're like, like we're in a business. If you're fortunate, like show business, it's not show friends, it's show business. And that's a good line. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? I know. Yeah. I think I'm going to make a t-shirt out Use of it. it. Yeah. Crochet on a pillow no, or something. I'm going to tweak that. <laughs> um, but, you're so good at social media. But, yeah. I mean, that's going to be my new campaign. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it is an important lesson, I think, for you to not, like, when things don't go your way that way, it's to not get, like, emotionally involved and sort of take perspective, but that you always have a choice. And, right. and And you have your boundaries that you set or you don't set. And... Yeah. There you, and there you have it, I yeah. guess. Um, no, I think that's absolutely yeah. right and, and good advice. Well, thanks for talking to me, Matt. Uh, this went really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes fast, right? It. Yeah. Was it all right? That was like, scary, right? Oh, no, that, was like, that wasn't scary at all. That was like a lot of fun. Great. I forgot that there's a microphone in here. That's the idea. Hope, hope I, you know, hashtag hope I didn't say anything ridiculous. <laughs> There's another good campaign I'm going right. to start. We'll see. I, I think you're going to take it to the top. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Matt. For sure. So I've been reading about nameless things Don't ask me what they are Nietzsche does